0: The day after the tsunami, there was this one woman, Medina. She lost three of her four children in that wave and dragged out to sea while she watched. It was all she could do to hold onto a tree and a six-week-old baby in her arms. And she was so sure that God had saved her and the baby that she went straight to her knees. She thanked him.
1: Did she thank him for killing the others?
0: She didn't get the chance. That night she refused to leave for the evacuation. I mean, after all, God was watching over her. And? Mudslide. Buried the whole village under 10 feet of slime. Welcome to part two of our Left Behind episode. Now, before we go into real talk, we're going to do a little bit of PP, our patron pitch. This is where we let patrons know what they can expect on our exclusive patron feed, and we also let non-patrons know what they're missing out on. Uh, The month is April, and that means that we have a new patron exclusive, courtesy of uh, patron Dan Brennick. Uh, He has assigned us, Alex, the movie Annihilation, a Natalie Portman vehicle from a few years ago. Are you familiar with that?
2: I am. I always wanted to see that, and I never got around to it, so that'll be just fine.
0: I'm not sure where it's streaming. I know I own a DVD from uh, my time at the theater. That was one of those that you know we just got as a present. So I'm definitely watching it that way, and uh, I might just let you borrow it. We also have two new QVRs. Uh, we're still waiting. I I I pulled out the call late, so I I still need to get the QVRs for this month. But just know that there's there's two more. <laughs> Coming up. And then uh, we have part four of our Rock Cena journey. Uh, Alex, what is part four about?
2: Well, we did just officially pass the 10-year mark of The the Rock versus John Cena at WrestleMania 28, so it's appropriate that part four will be our deep dive into the match itself and the discussion of the WWE-produced once-in-a-lifetime documentary. Uh, Julio, you'll finally get to see what WWE documentaries are like and that it's very much... (laughs) we good all other bad uh, but I remember that there's really not any need for any revisionist history in it so it's pretty uh, innocuous but part four will be the match itself and the uh, made documentary
0: finally I finally get to find out how it all turns out finally and then of course uh, what do you come to expect from our feed we'll have the cutting room floor stuff the pre-recording notes and Contreras after hours <laughs> The After Hours show, where we tell you about other things that we're watching, reading, playing, listening to. Uh, Alex, what are you bringing to Contreras After Hours this time?
2: Well, Julio, much like the last time, I'm going to be coming to After Hours from in the future. Here in a couple days, I'm going to a concert that's been rescheduled like twice due to COVID. Young lady by the name of Poppy. I'm not really like huge in her music. I just find her interesting and uh I mean, she's got some bangers. Your boy hasn't been to a concert in a while, and also <laughs> I'm old, so it'll be interesting to see how I get she's like a, a younger audience type thing too, so I fully anticipate getting weird looks as to why I'm there. Uh, but <laughs> it's all
0: about the, the energy that you project, Alex. Don't that's beat right. that guy in the video. You know, like they're 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 panning across the crowd and there's the one dude that's like in the middle of everybody jumping up and down and he's just standing there <laughs> looking yeah. like he doesn't belong. Don't beat that guy.
2: Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, I will recount my experience with the Poppy concert. It's my first time at the... It's not new anymore. It's new to me, though, the Emos, uh, since the old one closed. So we'll see how I do. We'll see how I hold up. What about yourself?
0: Uh, well, as I promised, as I, as I hinted on the last After Hours, I... I've watched all five documentaries and I mean, I will do a deep dive on those documentaries on a different podcast, but I just for our patrons, I mean, I'll give you like my overall thoughts, uh, five very different movies, but all of them very much deserving of, uh, the nomination, uh, I'll give you my rankings and uh see if I can at least convince you to watch one of them. I definitely have a favorite that I think uh the the winner as far as my award goes and then also I, i'm gonna i'm gonna take a page uh of your book alex and uh and do some after hours from the future so i this weekend I bought the new uh Brent Spiner book. I didn't even know that Brent Spiner had written a book, but it was right there staring at me uh, from the the new and notable section of Barnes & Noble, uh, and it was 50% off. So it's supposed to be fiction, but it also supposed to be inspired by true stories and I guess inspired by his experience as a celebrity that worked on Star Trek. Uh, Brent mm. Spiner is, you know, his data. He's also the the doctor in Independence Day. And you know he's been in other things, but he's he's data basically. And if you think Brent Spiner, you think Star Trek. So it looked like a fun thing to to read. I'm expecting to maybe I won't be finished with it by the time we record after hours, but I'll I'll have I should be far enough uh, along that I can tell you if it was a big mistake to buy the book <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> and I, at least I, I want to know like how much of this is you know like because when I first grabbed it, I thought it was an autobiography, and then. As I was getting ready to check out, I realized that, oh, no, this is supposed to be this cheekier than this and more like fuzzier. How much of this is true? How much of this isn't? I don't know. But hopefully it's it's entertaining. Title of the book is Fan Fiction. But I'll let you know if it's uh, if it's good or not. So Fan Fiction, uh, the five Oscar nominated documentaries, the Poppy Concert, where Alex might finally come to terms with his age, a lot of stuff on this after hours. And then all the other cool stuff that we talked about uh, in our patron channel. So if any of that sounds interesting, go to patreoncom slash Contrarian Prime. Look at our tiers. See if you want to throw us a buck or two.
2: $1, $3, $5, and $10 are our respective tiers. $1 gets you access on the ground floor. You'll see what's there and see if there's something more you'd like to uh, delve into, but I think the the $1 kicker donation subscription, whatever you want to call it, will definitely give you an idea of the, the work we put into that and the, the quality of content we provide there. So check it out. Uh, if you do, and there's something you're not feeling so much, let us know if there's something you'd like to see more of, let us know. You can always hit us up at, we are the contrarians at gmail.com or on our Twitter page. Uh, yeah, check it out. We know you're going to love it because we love creating it for you. We feel like We know our audience pretty well at this point, Uh, so check it out, and eventually you'll find some movie, much like Left Behind, that uh, we would never have any intention of covering otherwise, but you say, hey, I'm a patron, so I get to tell you what to do. To our existing patrons, thank you so much, we love y'all, and as always, we are accepting applications for new ones.
0: And one last order of business before we go into real talk... It is almost time for the Livestream for the Cure, and by almost I mean we are about a month out. But this has become kind of a tradition at Contrarians Headquarters, participating in Livestream for the Cure, uh, raising money for cancer research. Uh, this time, our slot is on Saturday, May 21st at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so if nothing else make sure you have that time blocked so you can attend the live stream and uh just cheer us on as we do a bunch of silly things to to raise money the live stream goes from the 19th through the 21st so this this year we're actually on the final day and uh mm. yeah you should attend as much as possible because uh your presence uh really makes a difference uh, for the people that are podcasting live it's always nice to to have an audience there that's participating and cheering you on So let's play a promo for the live stream for The Cure here, and then we'll go into real talk.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. May
0: 21st, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's where the Contrarians are going to have their live stream segment on the live stream for The Cure. Check it out.
2: Uh, As history has shown, we always have a great time on there. So be sure to come and join us, donate, laugh along with us as we usually do for the entire time we're on there.
0: Yes, and and the the big mystery of what we are doing uh, this year will be revealed. I, I guess we'll do it on the first episode of May. We'll give ourselves about three weeks before uh, the actual segment. But that's it, Alex. Let's let's get real. Let's talk about this uh, zero percenter, this this left behind, starring Nicholas Cage. <laughs>
2: Yeah, to quickly establish the why we're covering this, uh, a good friend of mine—I'll just call him Mike—for I don't know if he wants me doxing him on here.
0: To protect uh, the innocent.
2: Yeah, Mike's Mike's a good dude and a good friend of mine. A uh, guy I met through WrestleMania weekend, so that all fits in. Uh, th- this was five, six years ago now, but uh, anyway. Uh, I think he's still a wrestling fan. He's just not as into it as he used to be. He sent me a package, and he knows uh, the type of collector that I am. I'm of into this shit. And, uh, he sent me a package of a few things, and he told me after I followed up with him, completely unwarranted and unsolicited. Like I had no idea. I just got a package, and I saw his name, and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, opened it up, and it was some now-out-of-print wrestling DVDs, one of which... Was a DVD of the first ever Ring of Honor show from 2002 that's signed by Smojo, CM Punk, Jay Lethal, AJ Styles. I think low-key Christopher Daniels are on there. It, I was. It was kind of like the scene in The Sandlot where uh, at the end, <laughs> where Smalls and Benny give, uh, yeah, they give Dennis Leary the ball signed by the Murderers Row. My reaction to it was kind of like that. It was just like this exasperated, elongated, like what. Uh, and then, in there was like some ROH packages, a TNA DVD that's out of print that was signed by AJ Styles. There's some really cool shit. And I was like, what else is in here? And I pulled it out, and it was, uh, clearly a blu-ray still in the shrink wrap, but I had a note on the front of it that said, um, please get drunk and record a podcast on this. And, <laughs> and then I flipped the note and I was like, what on earth is this movie? So I, he must've got it somewhere or just had it around the house and threw it in there as like a joke. Uh, Mike, I'm not drunk, but uh, we, we are discussing it, giving it the full contrarian treatment. And uh, I felt it was necessary, one, to pay him back for, you know, he's just a good dude. So I think it was just out of the kindness of his heart that he sent me that stuff. At the same time, uh, what he sent me is something some people would pay a good chunk of change for. So my appreciation. Reciprocating here by doing this episode, and also we had a, a hole to fill. Uh, in our lineup, so it just kind of worked out perfectly. Uh, not traditionally how we do episodes here, but uh, it's definitely one <laughs> way to get us to do it.
0: Yeah, let's let's make that clear. You sending us a movie doesn't mean that we're going to cover it, but it means that at least we'll look at it. <laughs> we'll consider it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but if you're friends with Alex,
2: yeah, he he did a favor for me, so I felt like uh, his gift coming with like the asterisk or the the. However, minute caveat, I was like, all right, this is fair. But yeah, don't just send me fucking DVDs in the mail and say, watch this and record a podcast about it. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> so, Mike, thank you for your donation to my personal collection and uh, for the purposes of this podcast, bringing this movie across our desk. As it is making history, it is it our, our one true zero percenter? Julio. Now, you said is 0%. You didn't even take the trouble of going to letterbox and seeing if anyone liked it. You just found some more damning reviews from Rotten Tomatoes.
0: <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it, it seemed like it was a, a, there, there was so much richness in the negative reviews. Why not bring them up? Um, no, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll save the potentially positive reviews or quotes for uh, the, the Facebook video. There you go. So if you if you want to hear people say nice things about uh, about left behind and contrarian's corner <laughs> wasn't enough, you can check uh, the quotes I'll bring to the to the Facebook preview. But anyway, Alex, on to the rotten again. Chris Bumbry from Joe Blow's Movie Network says bargain basement evangelical stuff. Notice the devout Muslim passenger gets left behind. Belongs in a church basement, not a movie theater. To be fair. And not that I really want to defend this movie. But, uh, yeah, there's a Muslim passenger that gets left behind. But there's also a lot of other people that get left behind. (laughs) Robert Levin from uh, Am New York says, My goodness, what on earth is Nicolas Cage doing in this movie? Paying back the government. (laughs) Yes. Also, Matt Prigay from Metro says, You expect this kind of shoddy work from a movie with the guy from Growing Pains, but not with the guy from Bangkok Dangerous. All right. Do you remember that poster from Bangkok Dangerous, Alex? It's uh, infamous because Nicholas Cage, his hand looks like he should be holding a gun, but it's like they forgot to photoshop the gun in there, or they photoshop the gun out. It's really weird.
2: I guess I don't recall.
0: Yeah, look it up. It's it's once you see it, you can't unsee it. Elizabeth Weitzman from New York Daily News says, What has gone so horribly wrong in Cage's career that he is forced to accept any paycheck that comes his way? Well, again, taxes. Uh, yeah. I guess I guess it wasn't common knowledge that he was having financial troubles, or at least maybe not back in 2014.
2: I definitely feel like it is now.
0: Yeah, now. I mean, yeah, he's, he's like you mentioned, he's come out the other side. Anyway, one more. Amy Nicholson from LA Weekly says, it believes people might buy a ticket left behind and not know the twist, like someone sitting down to watch Godzilla and being shocked by the entrance of a giant lizard.
2: <laughs> That's pretty good.
0: I get her point, but at the same time, it's like... Look, I like to be surprised in movies as much as the next person, even more so, probably. But, I mean, if movies were only about the surprise, then you'd only watch them once. So... uh. Yeah, you can go into a movie like this knowing that, you know, people are going to disappear. But what makes it fun is the the execution. You know how they disappear, w- what happens after they disappear. So, I, like, I get the snark, Amy Nicholson, but I uh, I don't agree with the overall point. So now, Alex, you watch this. You watch the Blu-ray, right? Or I did. did okay. So that means that, unlike me, you didn't have to sit through. I don't know, ten commercial breaks. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. This was I thought this was on Tubi, but it wasn't on Tubi. It was on uh IMDB TV, which is mm. free, but also it felt to me like it had twice as many ad breaks. Which, you know, really affects the flow of the movie.
2: <laughs> what if flow I, there is to it.
0: Yes. If I'm overly negative on uh Left Behind, maybe uh Vic Armstrong can just blame it on all the commercials which are not even you know at a specific like a a, a well like the end of a scene and then the commercial goes it's like some some of them happen like as people are talking (laughs) just like fuck it (laughs) here's an ad for i don't know allergy medicine
2: hey allergy muddlers do your sneezes turn heads
0: even if i'd watched an uninterrupted uh showing of this movie, I think that overall I would have had a similar reaction which is that uh, I watched The Leftovers, I watched all three seasons of The Leftovers and it became uh, one of my favorite TV shows ever, if not my favorite TV show ever so the bar was already astronomically high for a story about uh, a percentage of the world disappearing uh, for mysterious reasons so Left Behind, just putting aside everything else already had was going to have a hard time uh impressing me. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I also watch Avengers Endgame <laughs> and Infinity War. Which portrays the disappearance of, you know, fifty percent of living beings in a pretty spectacular manner. Yes, I mean both these things, the Leftovers and the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, I mean, they they came years after Left Behind, but it's still something I've seen and still something that have, has, like, set the standard in a way. So, I'll fully admit that I came into this tainted, in a way.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that would have affected too much.
0: But that's the thing, because you haven't seen The Leftovers, and, and you're not as in love with Infinity War and Endgame as I am. So, being a little bit more of a blank slate coming to this movie than I was, uh, what, what's your experience?
2: It's a bad movie. It was just kind of like what I was expecting.
0: <laughs> so you were expecting it to be bad? You didn't even give it a chance?
2: Of course it's going to be bad. It's 0%. <laughs> Have you seen the cover? Like, And, you know, in the first scene, there's a couple different shots where it's clearly a green screen behind them instead of an actual airport terminal. I was just like, all right, here we go. Uh, so the lead acting isn't as bad as I was expecting. It's more preachy than I was expecting. I thought it was just kind of going to not be ambiguous or kind of just, you know, you decide. But it was definitely <laughs> It's kind of my thought right away is like, okay, wait, so all kids are good. Like all, all kids just immediately go, what makes one person better than the other? That type of thing. Because um, that, that type of shit is the quickest way to get me in, in a very annoyed conversation about religion is when we declare who's a better person than another one uh, mm-hmm. because they you know go to church or some shit it was fine i was a bit worried about the hour and 50 minute runtime but aside from like a little five to ten minute portion there in the middle where it just kind of seemed like all right we get it everyone's panicked it didn't really feel like it dragged that much it, it just kind of was what it was I, I don't really have any desire to watch it again at the same time it i watched it in one sitting and I got nowhere near the reach of anger, frustration with this that I have with some of the other movies that we've done. I was just kind of like, all right, this just kind of is what it is, and I'm just going to take notes and figure it out and kind of laugh at it when it's bad (laughs) because there's plenty of opportunities to laugh at it. And it's one of those interesting notes on Nicolas Cage and kind of where he's been at in his career for quite a while now. Yeah, it seemed like a made-for-TV type movie and... Surprise me! It made nearly thirty million dollars, but like we said, there's an there's an audience for this shit.
0: But that audience doesn't leave reviews and run Tomatoes, apparently.
2: No, that was my thing though. I was watching this. I was like, who left this? And I'm like, this was good. <laughs> I mean, if Leah Thompson was in the whole movie, it might have changed. You know, that's the Howard the Duck curse. If I had her there the whole time, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's <laughs> let's watch uh, Left Behind again. It's not Hancock. <laughs> that's a movie that made me mad i was pissed off like i i regretted ever doing a podcast watching that movie because i was having to watch <laughs> that movie this is just like yeah whatever uh but it sounds like did you like hate it were you in agony watching this
0: no no i was not i was not i i, I do feel like maybe i would have enjoyed it more if i had gone in knowing less I mean, because the thing is, so the one thing that this movie has going for it, in my opinion, is the the idea of the rapture. Like, the idea of rapture is, you know, rapture is is just creepy. Even when you depict it in kind of a an unimpressive way, it is still creepy. <laughs> you know, she's Chloe is hugging her brother, and then there's a flash, and now all she has is, you know, her brother's clothes, and it's happening all over. And so, even uh, when the the filmmaking is kind of pedestrian and the acting is just you know not great. The concept of a whole bunch of people disappearing is it's intriguing. And you know, and when it happens, I want to know what happens next. And I think that there's the seeds for an interesting religious conversation that of course this movie has zero interest in having. (laughs) But (laughs) the whole point of like, you know what's the big plan? Like is this okay if you believe in God then And then the rapture happens. Do you believe that God is responsible for it? And if that's the case, isn't it kind of a cruel thing to do? (laughs) You know, like we saw at least one plane go down. And yes, you could say that the people in in, in that plane were not worthy of going to heaven. But does that mean that you're just basically leaving them to die? I would have, <laughs> this was never going to happen, but I would have liked to see a movie. That's fine. You can be you can be religious, but then give me, uh, you, you can be a faith-based movie. You know, and I, I'm okay with your, the main goal of your movie is to uh, preach your point of view in a way. But if you do it entertainingly and you do it in a complex way, then, you know, I'm willing to have that conversation. And so, give me, give me a, uh, make your argument, you know, convince me that this is a good thing. <laughs> Or, or just show me that this—it's a horrible thing that's happening. But don't show me this nightmare scenario and then tell me, "Oh yeah, but God loves you," and and I'm supposed to take your word for it. You know what I mean? Like I don't think that there's there's an argument being made here. It's just a a, a cool setup. Even
2: more so, it tells you like you can't even question it. You have to blindly believe it, or else you know, no, nothing's going to protect you.
0: Right. And, and you know what? That's fine. You know, that's that uh, uh, I mean it's not fine.
2: That's what this movie wants to do. Right. That, that's yeah, I understand what you mean. That's not okay. That's not a rational point of view to have. But this movie doesn't have any interest in having a balanced point of view.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean I I get that the whole point of faith is that well you kind of have to take it at face value, right? But it it's it makes for a very boring movie if the only argument that you're making is like, well there's a bigger plan and you just that uh, you have to believe that this is happening for for the greater good. What is it? I think it's a preacher or the the priest that that uh, Chloe finds <laughs> the only guy that's still there in the church. And he says, uh, God's protecting you. No, God's protecting them. Like he took them away to protect them from the seven years of darkness that's about to happen. And like, that's great for them. But what about the people that got, you know, left behind? <laughs> and I don't know, baby, because this is clearly, this was just supposed to be part one of a bigger story and maybe the books or maybe the camera movies they actually get to a point further down the story where they maybe elaborate more on uh you know the nuances of god's plan i doubt it because the whole point i mean based on my experience with you know religious discourse is that it's what you're saying that well, this is just how it is, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You have to have faith. There's no explanation. You just take it at face value. I'm like, that's fine. That's religion, but it's not entertainment. You know, it's not dramatic enough. It's not. Uh, it's not a movie. So that's that's the biggest failing. I, I think that it's a it's a wasted opportunity. It has a, a really good setup, and then they did not do anything with it. And again, I mean, I don't want to like constantly go back to the leftovers, but the leftovers takes a very similar starting point. And it does wonders with it. It just shows you the, the the effect of something like that in humanity. How the people that are left behind uh, are just fucked up for the rest of their lives. You know, and uh, some people believe in religion. Some people don't. But you can't argue that a lot of people have disappeared and you don't know where they went. And uh, It's like The Happening. Fuck. <laughs> Is this movie... Better or worse than The Happening, Alex?
2: I would watch this twice before I watch The Happening again.
0: <laughs> what? No. Just give me a minute to think, all right? <laughs>
2: Wait, okay. Do you prefer The Happening to this? Uh,
0: I think I can. Oh, man. I don't know. They're both really bad.
2: This got to a point where... No,
0: no, okay, no, I, I prefer this, because you know what, uh, and that was going to be my next point, but, you know, just feel free to run with it. I think, I don't think Nicolas Cage is bad in this. I think that he no. is, he is so much better than the movie.
2: God bless him, like, in, in, absolutely no pun intended here, but him on autopilot <laughs> is still just, like, fucking phenomenal. He, he's just so clearly a polished actor, and... uh I watched the behind the scenes or just like a featurette interview with him that's on the Blu-ray and he talked about, did you know his brother's a priest? No. His brother asked him to do this movie because he really likes the novel. And then, uh, but like in the interview with Nicholas Cage, they ask him about the character and he's just like, Rayford Steele is a pilot who, and then he just like explains the plot of the movie. You know, he doesn't like go into, you know, his motivation or anything, but he does say, that um, he's like, and you know, I've done spiritual movies before, like City of Angels. I'm like, motherfucker, you're going to compare this to City of Angels? <laughs> Nicolas Cage is good. And this movie, we, you and I have talked about this a lot on, on this podcast, about the notion of the movie that's so bad it's good. And you and I being on the, you know, being true contrarians when it comes to movies like The Room, how we're just like, no, mm-hmm. that. There's nothing fun about watching that movie. Uh, just like It's just bad. Uh, and, you know, me, I have my things about, you know, some of my horror movies, Friday the 13th movies and stuff. For the most part, I think that's part of getting older, too, is that you realize you have uh, so many hours on this planet, you don't need to spend them watching bad movies just trying to convince yourself they're good. But in this situation, we have to watch this movie. And I found myself... At no point of this tortured, because even like during the sequences, I was just like, all right, let's go. There was either absolutely ridiculous shit like car crashes or that dude getting shot, the clown getting (laughs) shot, or just like moments that were supposed to be of like genuine acting that were that just came across as silly. So I was just kind of tickled by a lot of it. And I need to stress: at no point during this movie did I feel tortured watching it in the way that I have with some of the other shit we've done.
0: No, I agree. I agree. Actually, I, I you're reminding me that I laughed quite a bit. You're talking about the the, the really outlandish shit. There's that uh, that shot where uh, Chloe she's wandering around the city, and a fucking plane comes at her like a not like yeah,
2: a like not a crop a duster. Plane, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The dodo from uh, GTA Three, because she's like (laughs) trying to get her car, and she's like, "Oh, I can't make the keys function." And (laughs) okay, here it is. I'm going back through our episodes. We talk about the movies that have the legacy of "So Bad They're Good." Showgirls is one we went into knowing that legacy, and both Billy oh, and I fucking nope. hated that movie. Yeah, <laughs> and just like no interest in ever watching again. Didn't take anything away from it at all. Not even like interesting talking points. Or like there, there was the talking point of Kyle MacLachlan's ass, but uh, <laughs> then we found out it wasn't actually his ass. So we're like, "Well, this just sucks." This movie's a big tease. With this, at least, like
0: it is Cage's ass
2: we've already established the talking point of Nicolas Cage just being a great actor. And even when he's just, you know, in neutral, it's good. Two, we've established the talking point of like, hey, if you're fine with movies just casting judgment blindly against, (laughs) you know, non-believers, that's your bag too. And the premise of it is interesting enough. Again, I don't think either of us are going to end this by saying, hey, you should watch this movie. But the point is for it being the first zero percenter we've done and i've only gone back just a little bit in episodes we've done uh i'm sure you and i could both find at least five or six movies each we've done that we disliked more than this
0: yeah let's go to a tried and true classic alex christmas with the cranks
2: oh yeah fucking left behinds (laughs) getting thrown on the surround sound before christmas with the cranks comes up (laughs) what about jade i remember you you did not like jade ah
0: yeah though Jade is probably shorter, but now I'd watch left behind again. Y- you know what, what, uh, left behind has that Jade didn't. What's that? A, a single moment, like five seconds where I actually connected to a character, Oh, which is, I don't know. Hopefully you remember it's after, you know, the rapture already happened and people in the plane have gone through like the different stages of like panic and rioting and then calming down. Mm-hmm. And now they're kind of like numb. And, uh, Chad Michael Murray is just going around fucking interviewing everyone and uh, and then this lady comes up to him and she goes we need to go back and he says we are going back, we're going back to New York and she says no we need to go back where they disappeared because I need to find my baby and I mean it was just the most subtle or the most like toned down moment in the, in the movie because in the movie everybody's just screaming and losing their minds from the moment that it, it all happened, but this woman's kind of uh, irrational response felt very true. You know, it reminded me of uh, Matt Damon. Damn uh,
2: it. I was just about to say. It's <laughs> yes. Matt Damon saying, okay, can I go see her? Yep. Uh, was that what you're going to reference, Contagion? Yep. Yeah. Oh, th-
0: Matt Damon and Contagion. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you could have just like completely thrown me a curveball. You're like, it reminded me of when Matt Damon gets shot in the head by Mark Wahlberg in The Departed. <laughs>
0: Very rational. It makes sense.
2: So yeah, Chad Michael Murray. Okay, real quick, I'm going back through our episodes. Lost Souls or Left Behind,
0: dude. I I love me my Winona. So no, I would watch it. Just it's it's like if Leah Thompson was all over Left Behind, then you know maybe we'd have a fair fight. But
2: you know, it's sad. I think like based on our experience last time watching it, there's a part of you and I both that if someone was like. All right, you have to sit down right now and watch one movie. Is it going to be Left Behind or Boyhood? We would, <laughs> we would be like, well, I could Left save an hour in ten minutes. Yep, <laughs> and I don't have to go through this fucking nostalgia trip all over again. Um, <laughs> all right, Chad Michael Murray. Now, this is a situation or an example or a scenario, whatever word you want to use, where our minor age differences come to light bear fruit <laughs> because you would have already been, you know, in your twenties uh, and kind of doing your thing uh, as a young adult. When I still would have been a teenager in high school when the whole Chad Michael Murray thing began. So I remember it as like, Oh, here's this new pretty boy. Cause like freaky Friday was the absolute tits. Uh, and he was the, the the hunk in that. And then you mentioned Cinderella Story, House of Wax. I went on a date in high school to see that movie. And then, uh, and then he kind of meandered. I don't know his story. One Tree Hill. That was the other thing. That was like the the big Chad Michael Murray variety hour. Um, <laughs> now I remember when he resurfaced. The thing I saw him do was he was in Fruitvale Station. Are you familiar with that movie?
0: yeah i i watched a couple years ago uh is he one of the the friends
2: he's the cop that shoots uh oscar jesus christ yeah so i remember watching that and being like whoa that's one way to do it
0: that's the uh donnie Wahlberg in the sixth
2: sense (laughs) yeah exactly uh and so that was kind of surprising to see and then since then you know, he's just kind of done random shit here and there with obviously this being one of those things. Um, And apparently he played Ted Bundy in a Ted Bundy movie last year. So there you go. (laughs) He's not a bad actor. It just, it seems like this is not as common anymore because we've basically gotten to a place where we're just dealing with the same players pretty much on repeat in Hollywood, but especially in the, Mid to late '90s and early 2000s, and as we've we've discussed this very topic because of a lot of the movies we've done, it really just seems like they tried to find people that, or didn't try to. They found people that were the perfect you know temperature for the time, but that those people just quickly flamed out. Jason Biggs, we discussed <laughs> in exhausting detail. Uh, so I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on him and. Did you ever see him as a leading man or like the, you know, maybe not like a Leonardo DiCaprio, but kind of just like, a, oh, who's an example of a guy who started as a hunk and then became a respected actor?
0: Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum,
2: yeah. As hard as it may be to believe, Michael Keaton kind of started as like a a hunky man, too. So, uh, hunky man. What am I, <laughs> fucking 50? <laughs> So, my question to you is, what, what do you see when you see this guy? You see a guy who just kind of was always destined to just kind of have that brief moment in the sun? Do you think under different circumstances he could have been somewhat of a leading man? Or, or is it just kind of he does nothing at all to make you register him?
0: I think uh, based on my limited experience with him, which is this movie. And I'm pretty sure Kelly made me watch A Cinderella Story a while ago.
2: Wait, have and- you never seen Freaky Friday?
0: No, I haven't.
2: You have uh, (laughs) Disney Plus, too, don't you? Yeah, I do. All right. Sometime here in the next week or so, when you're on the elliptical, 96 (laughs) minutes, peak, peak Lindsay Lohan, and Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic in that movie. I cannot say enough good things about it. Check it out.
0: All right. All right. I'll watch it before I watch Spencer. Just remember this. (laughs) Next time you ask me about Spencer.
2: Oh, that's fine. I, I will gladly jump on the grenade of watching Freaky Friday before Spencer.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I mean, I think he's fine. I, I like him in this movie. I think that in this movie, he's actually solid. Uh, I think that the problem is that the movie doesn't really do much with his character. They just kind of like gave him, a, gave him a camera and had him kind of like talk to people, but there's not a whole lot going on internally. He has... A moment of just absolute awkwardness that is not his fault it's just that the movie put him in a spot and didn't know what to do with him and that is when uh he's in the cockpit with Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage is having this very emotional conversation with his daughter over the phone and then the director keeps cutting to a two-shot where you see Chad Michael Murray you know on the side. And he clearly has nothing to do. I mean, he's not supposed to be eavesdropping. So he's just kind of <laughs> looking out the window. Oh, what does this button do? <laughs> yeah. It's like, poor guy. You know, what are you going to do there? You're completely out of options. He's fine in this movie. In remember, he was fine in Cinderella's story. Uh, it's just that not everybody can go on to become a, a consistent leading man, I guess. You know, like right now, there's... Uh, over the past few years, I feel like Netflix has been pumping a lot of kind of like teenage slash young adult stars in their romantic comedies or whatever, their Netflix originals. Yeah. And uh and those people are making a splash, but is this gonna be a a permanent splash? Like a permanent, uh, uh you know, a long lasting splash? I don't know, because like I said, you know, not everybody can make it all the way to the top, so maybe they'll have their fifteen minutes and then that's it. I think it's pretty cool that, you know, he's still in movies, Chad Malcolm, Mary, that is, even though he's not, I guess, headlining romantic comedies anymore, but he's still like I, I think it's awesome what you just told me, that he is <laughs> that he's in uh Fruitville station, that is badass and uh yeah i like that he that he got to flex that muscle and here he's i mean you know he, he has the romantic subplot with uh nicholas cage's daughter but it's not like he uh he's not just the boyfriend you know they he's just there kind of like i said there may not be much going on internally but at least he has a presence and you can abide that this guy was you know a star reporter and that some people recognize him and so on so uh it's not his fault that the the movie's badly written.
2: Yeah, uh, that's that's a really good way of putting it because I expected seeing him in this to be kind of kind of sad, like you know, like someone who had been cast aside from a previous era. But yeah, when he shows up on screen, it's just kind of like, oh, there's Chad Michael Murray, and he holds his own for what this movie needs him to do. So can't really get a read on it because it's not necessarily a good movie. So I'd be interested to see uh, if and when he's given another opportunity to thrive, what he's able to bring to the table.
0: Did you know, I don't know if you looked it up, but, uh, so he's playing the Kirk Cameron character okay. from the, from the original movie movies. I always had this, this idea just based on what I heard people say that this left behind had very little relation to the, to the movie, the Kirk Cameron movies, you know, they're like, oh, it's the same world. in the sense that, you know, the, the rapture happened, but these are all different characters or whatever. But then just glancing through MDB. It was like, no, the same names for the characters. Like It's not just mm-hmm. Kirk Cameron playing Buck, but uh, I guess there's another actor playing Rayford. So, so those two are constant. So I wonder if it's just that this, I don't know. I, I was thinking about it while I was watching the movie. I'm like, does is this the first book? You know, Is the first book of the Left Behind series just the whole thing on the plane? Or is this just like, I don't know, a quarter of the book? And then they, they they were gonna do more because there's several books. There's like twelve books, I think, from what I remember of you know my time at Barnes & Novel. And Jesus. there's three uh, Kirk Cameron movies. I don't know. I wonder if, if there was ever any thought of bringing Kirk Cameron back to the movies. Like maybe he wouldn't play Buck, but he could play Rayford. <laughs> you know, fourteen years later. Uh,
2: who the Left Behind authors Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. Along with their families, were given an advanced screening of a rough cut of the movie on January 31st of 2014. Afterwards, LaHaye was quoted as saying, It is the best movie I have ever seen on The Rapture. (laughs) Jenkins was quoted, I believe it does justice to the novel and will renew interest in the entire series. Cut to um, (laughs) the Beer Baron episode of The Simpsons where the CEO of Duff says... uh, our customers drink Duff for its robust taste not its alcoholic content. I think we'll be just fine with our new uh, alcohol-free Duff. I think it's a, I think it says like literally 10 <laughs> minutes later he's putting the out of business sign on the door. Well, that's the end of me.
0: <laughs> um I don't want to like uh just rag on her too much because it's kind of unfair but I since we're talking about acting, and we're t- you know you kind of have to talk about that the third leg of the tripod, and that is uh, uh,
2: Peter North. Of-
0: <laughs> Man, he should have been in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just make it more interesting.
2: Fuck, you got me back there. I took a drink, and yeah, that was. <laughs> oh God, it's the rapture. Just takes Holy his shirt shit. off.
0: Alex, there's 23 Left Behind books. Fuck!
2: <laughs> <laughs> They're still publishing the program. Peter North made way more movies than that.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, the, the the actress that plays Chloe, of course, the one that you know is not a known actress, at least not for me or you, Cassie Thompson. Uh,
2: Real quick, before you get into that, so you, we can keep this in mind when we talk about it. Ashley Tisdale was originally supposed to play that role.
0: Okay she again, very limited exposure i've seen the first high school musical that's, that's more it.
2: than me i just know who she is and i know like her general <laughs> her being uh but yeah so going back to cassie thomas uh thompson. One way, is it thompson yeah oh i'm sorry hello mr thompson um <laughs> yeah if you've got an actress who really isn't up to snuff the best thing you can do is put them against nicholas cage and leah thompson <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh it's rough i i, I kind of looked at uh her imdb i didn't go down like all the titles but i'm like okay well she she has other movies so there's it's entirely possible that there's there's other movies where she actually gets to like shine as an actress or whatever but man they gave her a lot in this movie i mean she's a third of the movie and she's the hero yeah, in a way, it, but it's it's so tricky, right? Because
2: I'm sorry, God's she... the hero. American white God is the hero, but she yes. saves the day there for the people left on earth.
0: Um she she doesn't pull off what Leah Thompson pulls off, which is taking a character that could be really annoying and making them sympathetic. And she I don't think that she had quite the experience to do that yet. Leah Thompson does it because, you know, she's An experienced actress, and she's good. I don't know enough about you know this movie is so bad that I can't really tell how much of the the Chloe character doesn't work because it's badly written. How much of it is it because on top of being badly written, it's being performed by an actress that just didn't have the tools to at least try to you know make something out of nothing. At least for me and my experience, she came across as really uh, bratty. And just annoying, like an annoying teenager that just is like self-righteous and she's supposed to be our point of view character, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. she's supposed to be the one that uh, like I, I would agree with her views in general, at, at least somebody that's not uh religious person like me uh, and and it feels like, I said in the it feels like they were aiming this to a broader audience, right? Like when they were the way that they were pitching this movie so it was just so weird to find myself very uh turned off by the 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 main character <laughs> the character that was supposed to be my surrogate uh you know more so than cage and more so than uh Chad michael Murray just this girl was supposed to be you know the every man the every woman yeah and uh it just doesn't it doesn't work I I was just I felt absolutely nothing when she was, you know, at the top of that tower talking to her mom and considering suicide. I was like, I don't care. Just go back to the plane. And I hope that she's had better opportunities down the line that allow her to I guess come across better than she does here. But that was the 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 weakest part of the movie. And it's like I said, a third of the movie. Because when it's not when we're not with Cage and we're not with Chad Michael Murray, we're with her. And it sucks.
2: Yeah, the scene like with her and uh, Leah Thompson going back and forth is just kind of like, it's annoying on both levels. Like, the writing and what it's trying to express, I'm like, all right. And then on top of that, Leah Thompson's just good. As we've established, she could do anything and I'd be a fan of it. She's just kind of like, oh, yeah, here I am. I'm saying these things. And then, yeah, the girl's just like, I don't like God, Mom. You don't get it. <laughs> You'll never get it. She, uh, Cassie Thompson was in a movie a few years ago called Gloria Bell that I am now super fascinated by. 91% of Rotten Tomatoes stars Julianne Moore, John Totoro, Michael Sarah, and Brad Garrett. What? <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, it is a 2018 comedy drama. Gloria Bell is a middle-aged divorcee living in L.A. She has two children and a kind-hearted yoga instructor and Peter, an uninspired married man, who cares for his infant son while his wife is away. Gloria spends her nights letting loose at dance clubs around the city. The poster is Julianne Moore under like purple and pink lighting, dancing the night away.
0: Does Cassie Thompson play the the single mother?
2: No, she, she, play, <laughs> she plays a character named Virginia, just based on, you know, when you see rank uh, rankings, when you see listings of names and movies, she's more towards the bottom. So I'd, like to think she has like a smaller part but she's right next to sean astin so who knows
0: (laughs) i don't want to uh like bury her because i really don't know you know it's like if this was a good movie and she was the weak point point, then that would be like okay well
2: yeah yeah
0: come on you, you couldn't you couldn't keep up but in this case it's like i think that most people would have a hard time making a bad script work And so, you know, Cage can do it, Chad Michael Murray could do it, Leah Thompson absolutely can do it, And Cassie Thompson couldn't do it this time. And that's fine, you know, but better luck next time.
2: (laughs) We look to the future. Kind of winding down here, you know, we're not going to go too much in the religious aspect of this, but it looks like it was equally as panned from some of the Christian community as it was... Just call it normal film folk i don't know <laughs> uh, christian film critics were critical of left behind paul chambers of moviechambers.com began his scathing review with there are millions of christians with average or above average intelligence i'd like to think that i am one of them so what possessed the makers of left behind to produce such an ignorant piece of garbage that is easily one of the worst films of 2014 if not all time okay yeah <laughs> Evangelical Christian magazine Christianity Today criticized the film, saying Left Behind is not a Christian movie, whatever Christian movie could possibly mean. In fact, most Christians within the world of the movie, whether the street-preaching lady at the airport or Rayford Steele's wife, are portrayed as insistent, crazy, delusional, or at the very least, just really annoying. They want churches to book whole theaters and take their congregations. They want it to be a youth group event, Want magazines like this one to publish discussion questions at the end of their reviews. They want the system to churn away all while netting them cash without ever having to have cared a shred about actual Christian belief. They want to trick you into caring about the movie. Don't. They also stated that they tried to give the film zero stars, but our tech system wouldn't allow it. I think that's a fair call out of... If you really wanted to get into it and discuss the Christianity side of this and what this movie is trying to say, uh, you could make the argument that it really uses it as a crutch aimed at you know, um, for lack of a better term, exploiting its audience. Uh, but at the end of the day, it just ain't that good. It's a bad movie.
0: If it was good, then we wouldn't complain about the religious aspect. <laughs> be like, oh, there's just it's just one more wrinkle in the movie.
2: Uh so I think it's appropriate also to to close here with its uh, the awards that it was nominated for.
0: <laughs> All right.
2: So, at the 35th uh, annual Golden Raspberry Awards, uh it was nominated for worst picture, worst actor for Nicolas Cage. Ah. Yeah. And worst screenplay. Give it to them. Now, here's the here's the kicker. All three categories lost to Saving Christmas, <laughs> which is a 2014 American faith-based comedy film starring Kurt Cameron. Kurt
0: Cameron, yep. yep. Oh, God, he he won in the end.
2: What did Harvey Dent say? You live long enough to see yourself become the villain. There you go.
0: <laughs> you live long enough to see yourself save Christmas. Listen to this, Alex. This is a plot from uh, Left Behind, column, the movie, the 2000. One. Okay. From, uh, the biblical prophecy of Armageddon begins when the rapture instantly takes all believers in Christ from the earth. A reporter Left Behind learns that the Antichrist will soon take power.
2: <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, that sounds metal as fuck.
0: Right? <laughs> they don't even mention uh, rayford like i know rayford's a character because he he's in the cast list he's played by brad johnson
2: and here's some bullshit i was just looking at the what else was nominated that year they took um annie to task former former contrarian's entry annie <laughs> which i think if i remember correctly we were like eh, it's not that bad yeah it's long but that's about it the other uh, worst picture nominees were legend of hercules teenage mutant ninja turtles and transformers age of extinction
0: the plot of Left Behind 2, Tribulation <laughs> Force. Uh, after the rapture and the revealing of the identity of the Antichrist, a group of converts formed a Tribulation Force, a secret society with the sole purpose of converting non-believers to Christianity.
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> the Antichrist is like an actual character in this, in this series. And then because, you know, we've come this far. Left Behind 3, World at War. The world falls into chaos as Nicola Carpathia detonates nuclear devices across the globe. (laughs) Yes! And stages multiple devastating attacks against both the Tribulation Force and an international militia led by U.S. President Gerald Fitzhugh.
2: (laughs) You're goddamn right that happens.
0: (laughs) I'm glad I read that because I'm never watching those movies.
2: (laughs) Man, I cannot believe I didn't recall we did a back-to-back We did Camille and Duplex back-to-back. Both (laughs) films. Worse. Or a worse time, I should say, than uh, Left Behind. Rice. Yes, Rice. Julio, let's bring this home. Left Behind. I have a hard time giving it an F because I truly believe the people that made this made the movie they wanted to make.
0: Man, they were so proud of themselves too, with that final shot. Oh yeah. You know, pulling back after the th- this is just the beginning. And then there's a biblical quote at the end, which I don't remember, but you
2: know. Oh yeah, they stole the fucking ending from a uh, Punisher Warzone. This is only the beginning. <laughs> that has to count for something. So I have a hard time calling it a failure because the people that made it were likely pleased in it. That being said, it's right on the doorstep of a failure. So I'm going to give it a D-. minus. What are you going to give it, Julio?
0: I was very tempted to give it two stars just because I actually like Nicolas Cage. In My this. God. F- f- but I'm not going to because then okay. I have to remember how much I dislike uh, Chloe. Like, you know, Chloe, <laughs> Chloe Steele. Uh, yeah, she she's not good. And uh, I just think that they wasted a lot of potential. That, But I also know that, like you said, they did exactly what they wanted to do. <laughs> so they were never going to make a movie about the rapture that I was interested in. So I'm just going to split the difference and give it one and a half. Fair enough. Alex, I, I want to close with a question. Okay. Tomorrow they announced that uh, after much uh, after much negotiating, uh, Left Behind 2 will hit theaters 2023. <laughs> Christmas 2023. Do you go watch it?
2: I think I have to at this point.
0: Right? I mean, they bring the same cast, obviously. It has to be Cage, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. CMM, and uh, even leah thompson comes a cameo from heaven it's like fucking
2: patty labelle and semi-pro <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> she teaches she teaches chloe how to do the the alley hoop <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah absolutely because it's one of these movies we're in too deep now and you know not in a bad way not that i you know want to swear this off forever it's just kind of this funny blip that's come across our radar so yeah if that happens i think we, we would be there Tweeting a selfie right. out from our, our main account.
0: Yes. <laughs> Alright, well I'm glad we're we're on the same page when it comes to that. Now now make it happen, Cage, now that you're financially uh, solvent.
2: There's the skull I bought at an auction and I bought it legally. Here's the MacGuffin. When the Mongolian government said that they needed it back, I gave it to them, but I never got my money back. So somebody at the auction house should be in jail.
0: All right. Well, that that's it. That was uh, that was left behind.
2: It was, Julia. What's on deck next?
0: Uh, what's on deck? Oh, we actually decided it earlier today. We were texting, uh, so we we did a... A really rotten movie doesn't get any more rotten than this, as far as the Rotten Tomatoes goes. So now we're gonna go with a very fresh movie, 97 percent of the tomato meter. Knives Out, Ryan Johnson's uh, murder mystery. I don't know, you haven't seen it, Alex. I've seen it three times, I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it should be an interesting. I mean, we both we've been pretty open about our love for uh, Last Jedi. Therefore, we, we like Ryan Johnson's work. That's, that's how it goes. Uh, just don't ask me about Brick.
2: <laughs> Understood. All right. So, yeah, moving definitely to the other side of the coin in the next episode with Knives Out. Mike, thank you for bringing this movie uh, to our attention. Thank you for the donation you made to my personal collection. And I, I <laughs> hope this is a, an adequate uh, a trade here. So that is going to do it for Left Behind. Now we're going to move ourselves into our perennial plugs. We start off by giving thanks to the Festive Years, who provide our opening and closing tracks. They kick us off with Last Stand, take us home with Summer of 99. Be sure to head over to thefestiveyears.com for any and all Festive Years needs.
0: Our friend and fellow podcaster, Hans roth is the man behind our logo, behind all the graphics on our webpage, our patron page, our merch page. Uh, Hans is uh, very talented Renaissance man of sorts. He's an artist, he's a podcaster. As we mentioned, he has two podcasts uh, Nacion Combi, which is about Peruvian current affairs, and Marginal, which is about economy. And he's also a novelist. He has a whole bunch of uh, science fiction slash zombie novels that he has published. We can check out all his work on his webpage, mildemonios.pe. That's m i l d e m o n i o s.pe. You can contact him on Twitter at mildemonios or by email at mildemonios@hotmail.com. Hans, thank you for all your support.
2: And thank you to the efforts of Miss Zoe Perez, who helps out with our social media game. If you're on Facebook and you haven't already, be sure to go over to our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash Contrarian Prime. And one day we'll look up what the actual verbiage is. Like, <laughs> subscribe, give an AOK to. Uh, just Perez. check out our page. <laughs> our Facebook page contains some exclusive videos uh, that preview upcoming episodes and. Uh, discussing some trivia and critical quotes that we don't always review here on the episodes themselves. So sometimes a little bonus material on our Instagram account. Zoe helps post interactive graphics, uh, some audio clips, still images, clips from the show, a bunch of good stuff. Makes it look really fancy and pretty. So, Zoe, we appreciate the work you continuously do for us and making our presentation look good and pretty that is going to do it for this episode of the contrarians where we're right and you're wrong and we will catch you next time